Audio's working, all right. Okay, so we're starting a study on the end of the age, and this is the first of eight in the series. And tonight, the, the, uh, the main thing we're going to look at is 2 Thessalonians 2, and it's like verses 1 to 12, because this is just such a good um, launching point for setting the end of the age, because... The Thessalonians were thinking that, you know, the day of the Lord might have already come. And if you go back to um, 1 Thessalonians, you find out that some of them were worried about the people that were asleep, their relatives that had died. They thought there was no hope for resurrection or something. Which is interesting because the Corinthians had the same kind of issue. In 1 Corinthians 15, there's a little story in there about, you know, people were worried about um, people that had died they weren't going to be resurrected and that's when Paul went into this whole thing about well if we have no resurrection then why are we we might as well eat drink and be merry because you know that's our hope so anyway so the Greeks you know we're in the Greek world here in Thessalonians and you know there you got to realize their culture was you know the gods were up here and the humans were down here and the gods fought with themselves and fought with each other and fought, I mean, fought with each other and then fought with the people on the earth and they even procreated with people on the earth. So, you know, that was quite a different paradigm than Yahweh, the God of Israel. So they, anyway, Paul, let me see, let me go one more down here. Yeah, we're going to talk about the day of the Lord. But anyway, Paul had been to the, let me give you a little map here. We're going to. Just set this. It's it's nice to know what you're talking about. I mean, the background of, of things. I like to know those things. This is modern day map. And Thessaloniki, where the Thessalonians live, is right here where my mouse is. Can y'all see that? Mm -hmm. Up there? Okay. So Paul started out from Israel on his second journey. He walked all the way up here through Syria and Lebanon. Came up here, landed at Antioch. Walked all the way across Turkey. I mean, you know, this is amazing what these guys did. His, he'd already planted churches all through Turkey, you know, um, Galatia, Cappadocia, all these places. He ended up way over here at Traus and took a boat and went over to Europe. And you remember the reason he went over there is because he had a dream of the Macedonian man said, come over here. You read about all this in Acts. He landed in Philippi, I think it's Acts 16. I mean, he went to Philippi after he got up on the, the European shore. And Philipp, Philippi is where he was jailed, you know. And then he got in such trouble, they accused him of civil unrest. And he said, I'm not leaving town until y'all apologize to me. You know, they let him out of jail. And then, so anyway, he left town and went to Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki is how I believe they say it over there. Anyway, so he's there, and he, he reasoned in the synagogues, it says, for three Sabbaths. So he converted some Jews. But there were also Gentiles in uh, Thessaloniki who had been coming to the synagogue apparently, maybe weren't circumcised, so they weren't really Jews, but they were interested in the truth. So, but the bigger part of the people that he's writing here are Greeks, writing to. It's interesting to me, and we'll, we'll see this as we go along tonight, but it's interesting to me that Paul had a revelation in A.D. 50 that's about the time they think he wrote this letter about this man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, what we know as Antichrist, which is not really scriptorial, as I'll explain. 
That's my own made-up word, scriptor. <laughs> anyway, um, he, he, uh, he knew about this, and John didn't see the revelation until something like 90 A.D., like 40 years later. So that I never had hit me before. I mean, Paul had all this revelation. Now he got, we're going to see a lot of it just from Hebrew scriptures, from prophetic scriptures. Because Daniel talked about this same guy. You know, um, there's other passages that I'll show you. Some people think he's the, he is uh, the Assyrian. He is, there's lots of different names for this man in the Hebrew scriptures that many think is the same person. But anyway, Paul, maybe he had supernatural encounters too. I'm sure he did. And maybe the Lord showed him some of this stuff supernaturally too before John saw it. So that's all interesting. But there is, uh, let me see what this next slide is. Oh, yeah, here's the journey you can see. You know, he started, this one he went, he really lived, went on foot all the way up here. Here's his hometown, Tarsus. This is Turkey. This is southeastern Turkey. I've been in all these places. That's why I love to talk about this stuff. Anyway, you know, Galatia and all this up in here. And he, here's Trous where he got on the boat and then went to Philippi. So, and then after Thessalonia, you know, he was kicked out of there again. And then he went to Berea where they knew the scriptures, they studied the scriptures, and they're applauded for that. But anyway, the Roman Empire, here's, here's Thessaloni, Thessaloniki, modern day. I mean, these places still exist, you know. Um, that's cool, too. I mean, you can go and see these places, and you go, man, Paul's right here. And this is what, you know, I went to Cyprus several times when I lived over in that part of the world, and, you know, visited Salamis, which is where he landed, you know, and there was all these old ruins and stuff. Paul might have stood right here on this. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Anyway, and then I've got one more slide of these pictures. This is the, the Roman Empire at that time. Look how massive. I mean, we think, you know, Rome had, you know, Jerusalem and little Assyria and, you know, Rome and stuff like that, but gosh, they were North Africa, all the way Eastern Europe, all this stuff, and they later took England. I think England's not on here, but anyway. So they were they had a bunch of territory, but it's all west. Later on in we're in our study, I'm gonna show you why I don't think Rome is that fourth kingdom in Daniel two. Where the, the uh, Daniel saw the dream of the man, you know, and everybody's for years has said the Rome is the final one. Another country heard from. And um anyway, but Rome never took Iran, Persia, ancient Persia, and all the stuff which the other three kingdoms had. We'll talk about that. Just a little teaser. But um, I'm going to go back to my other view here. So the day of the Lord is the key to understanding our road because you'll see 2 Thessalonians 2. We're going to read it together here in just a second. But... Um, the day of the Lord is mentioned all through the Hebrew scriptures. Just about every prophet says something. Or if it's not day of the Lord, they'll say that day or that great day. Just that phrase is enough for us to know, oh, this is talking about the day of the visitation of God on the earth. Um, so who were the Thessalonians? We did this, except I didn't mention that Paul is going to say two distinct things that they will know that the day of the Lord is coming. We know that from this very succinct few sentences in here, 12 verses. I think it's the most, it's the greatest launching point to study the end of the age because it's just so clear. He says, why are you disturbed? The day of the Lord will not happen unless. 
And now let's, let's read it. Let's get it out. Y'all got Bibles? Yeah. Let's all um, take a few, take a verse or two and start. Um, is everybody there? Yeah, go for it, Sue. So we're going we're gonna to read. Yeah, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. So take a couple verses there, Sue. Okay. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that are gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if it was from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Okay. Good. Now, Emily, you got the... You don't? I don't. Second Thessalonians 2. Verse 3 is where we are. Taylor, you got it? Okay, go for it. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of... Perdition. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Good. Stephanie, you got verse 5 and 6? Sure. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who knows now restraints it will do so until he is out of the way. Good. Okay, Rudy, you got eight? And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whom coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And Sylvia? Okay, Emily, go ahead. Verse 10. And with all unrighteousness, Sorry, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they that they should believe the lie Go ahead and read the that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness okay what would everybody get out of that those two things. Those two things. Yes. Apostasy yep. and lawless man of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Is that clear? Everybody see that? And that mm -hmm. was in found in verse three. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's look here. I've got it. Yeah, here we go. Two happenings before the day of the Lord. Falling away and the man of lawlessness. Now you all know that, that anti, the Antichrist is not really in the scriptures. I mean, it's the spirit of Antichrist that's spoken of in 1 John. You know, um, who he is called mainly in the scriptures that describe him, I don't know if I'd say the best, is the beast in Revelation. But he's also called um, the little horn in Daniel. There's several. We're going to look at those. I mean, that's enough to fill up a whole night. But... Um, 
before we go on, so we know that two things are going to happen before the day of the Lord, the falling away and the man of lawlessness. We're going to look at what those mean. But, um, and, they, and here in our passage it says he's the son of perdition. Perdition, that word is destruction. It means destruction, and the Greek word is apollyon. Um, and you may remember from Revelation last week that the, as I sped through it, that um, uh, the king of the bottomless pit, it said in Hebrew, is, his name is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying that Greek right or not, but anyway. Um, so the king of the bottomless pit is called perdition. It's interesting that Paul calls this man the son of perdition. Keep that in mind. Because the end of the age, I'm going to give you this big picture here in a minute. If there's an end of the age, what's the first of the age? It's the creation of man, you know, Genesis. Okay? In Genesis 3.15, we have, I think it's the first prophecy of the, of the anointed one, of the Messiah. And that Genesis 3.15 says, it's after Satan had successfully deceived Eve, He's, the Lord God, it says, came to the serpent and said, Now, because you've done this, you're going to crawl on your belly, you know, and the rest of that. And then he says, And I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So we know the seed of the woman was Jesus Christ. Okay, so then, and, and it says, he will, You will bruise his heel and he will bruise your head. Now that word in Hebrew for bruise there can mean grind and crush also not just bruise. Okay, so fast forward to Numbers 24. Now first fast forward to Genesis 49 where you have the promise where, where Jacob is prophesying over his sons and he says to Judah, um, uh, you, you have the scepter and I believe there's something in there about the star also in that passage. It's 49.10 I believe in Genesis. But Fast forward to Numbers 24 where Balaam, the, the prophet that had compromised, we, I'm not even sure what his origins were, but he prophesied the true word of God to Balak, the king of Moab. And in that prophecy he said, you know, king, you want me to prophesy against Israel and for Moab, but here's what God's telling me. He's saying, guess what? A star is going to come out of Jacob, a scepter out of Israel, and he will... Uh, batter the brow of Moab and that word batter is crush and the, the brow is a head you know that's a, another picture of Christ he's the star of Jacob he's the scepter that's coming out of Israel there's another prophetic through the, the mouth of this compromise whatever his background was prophet whom God used anointed him to speak the word of God so there's the crusher again he's going to crush the head of Satan in Genesis 3 he's crushing Moab which we will see is the longtime enemy of Israel. It's just kind of almost like a anytime you see Moab, Ammon, and Adom in the scripture, it's Israel's enemies. So anyway, he's going to crush the, the head of, of, of uh, Moab. Now fast forward to Daniel chapter 2 where Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of this statue, right? The head of gold, silver arms and chest, and, and uh, then he's got legs of uh, iron, Oh, there's something's bronze, yeah. The, maybe the belly's bronze, and then the legs and or iron and feet of clay and iron. That that uh, 
those kingdoms that are represented there are destroyed by a stone cut without hands from a mountain. And it crushes, breaks all the other kingdoms. Here's the crusher again. This, this is so fascinating to me. I love all this. So here's the, so we're getting, so then we get to Revelation and the breath of his mouth, Paul says here, is going to kill this man of lawlessness, the son of perdition. So it's like the whole word of God is involved in, okay, we're going to make that right, what you did, devil, sorry, but there's one coming who's going to crush you and your seed. And so what we're up against now in our world right here is that the, the son of perdition, the, the battle of the ages is taking place, and we get to be at the very end, quite possibly, and see Jesus Christ on the earth. <laughs> anyway, that gets me going. There's passages, you know, about, you know, and, and this is why next week what I want to do is I want to go over why I believe that Revelation is not an allegory and in and, and these things about allegorical interpretations. We've got to be kind of grounded in the fact that, no, when he says Moab, he means Moab. When he says Jerusalem, he means Jerusalem. And, and why, but there's so much floating around right now that there's people that we respect that are saying, no, it's not like that. It's you, it's all this wispy gauzy. I mean, yeah. my term, wispy gauzy. Anyway, everybody with me? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to look up some more scriptures here about the falling away. So what do we got? Two things are going to come before the day of the Lord. Falling away and lawlessness. Man of lawlessness. Okay. So the falling away. I I see two things that were, and this didn't. He didn't say there's two different kinds of falling aways, but I see these two personally. There's because you have to fall away from something. If you're falling away, there had to be something you fell from. So from from the faith by believers, we know the passage First Timothy four one to three. Could somebody get that, and then somebody get. Um, let's see, Rudy, get First Timothy 4, 1 to 3, and then Stephanie, would you get Second Peter 3, 3 to 4, and Taylor, how about Daniel eleven thirty five? 35? You guys here? You got it, Rudy? First Timothy 4, 1 to 3. Uh-huh. Now the Spirit speaks expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Okay. So... The very first part of that was that they won't listen to sound doctrine, but they're going to turn to doctrines of demons, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, think we're seeing any of that? But even believers, I mean, I'm, you know, just because yeah. this is really for believers, we're yeah. seeing people going, well, you know, it's okay to, if you want to be a sodomite, that's not a big deal, you know, you know. Anyway. In the marriage, you know, marriage, intermarriage is it's okay. Same-sex marriage. Anyway. It refers to that abstaining from the meats, and there's a very big attack on the meat industry here in America. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to 
Yeah. It's like anything to make you feel holy, you know, that's apart from having a relationship with God kind of thing, isn't it? Anyway. Um, Stephanie, what do you got? I forgot. You got Second Peter 3. Yeah, verses 3 and 4, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Knowing, the, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all the all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Mm-hmm. You forget about the flood of Noah's time. That was a little significant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but again, these are believers because they, you know, they're not listening to what their fathers, ever since the fathers, they say, you know. So, and this is this is our, I think we're in danger of stepping into on the edges of this sometimes because we're weary we get weary with with the things we see around us and with our prayers not being answered the way we think they should be right now i mean it's really all things are just like the eyes well i don't know if i need to pray or not i'm just gonna give up you know (laughs) it's really really we got to be really careful because the enemy just would like nothing better than for the people of god to quit praying and worshiping and start wallowing All right, so Taylor, read yours. This is Daniel 11, 35. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end because it is still for the appointed time. That's a very interesting verse right there. That's, I mean, we're going to see that that relates to the latter time and, and that the man they're talking about in there is, is this figure, this beast, and son of perdition. A lot of scholars differ on all that in Daniel 11, I mean, but um, I've kind of settled in on at least the last half of it being about this man. Anyway, we'll talk about that. But they, it sounds like God lets them fall to refine them, which I can see that. Mm-hmm. You know, God's got the big picture in mind. He wants... He wants the best for us. You know, he wants to refine us. I don't know. It's, it's kind of the way it's worded. It's kind of interesting. All right, let's look at uh, the falling away from the rule of law by all men. I think this is, is even more interesting. Emily, can you get 2 Timothy 3? And Sue, you got, can you get Matthew 24, 12? Mm-hmm. How about Dave over there? You yes, ma'am. All right. How about Second Thessalonians? Well, we already read that. How about Jude 17 through 19? Because mm-hmm. um, the Second the Thessalonians 2 passage is where he's saying uh, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So there's this, I mean, if there's a mystery of lawlessness, that's going to apply to all men, right? So... Um, when there is a when there's lawlessness at work, all men lose they they lose lawfulness and they become lawless. I mean, so that's a falling away from lawfulness. And that's since the fall, right? Ever since the fall. Yeah. I mean, look at Cain and Abel and all the rest yeah. of them. Yeah. To a certain degree, right? But it mm. seems like it could be increasing here at the end time. For real. Okay, Emily, you got Second uh, yeah. Timothy. But but know this that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, 
lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's a list. Just uh, Isn't that amazing? I mean, you know, there is a the kind of a form of godliness for godless people right now because they're claiming to be loving. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a false morality. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Um, but the but the uh, traitors, the haughty. Oh man, there's that's a list. Um, okay, Sue, you got Matthew twenty four twelve. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And that's the words of Jesus. And this is that passage, you know, where the disciples said, tell us what the sign of your coming will be. And he goes into this whole chapter. And that, and he uses, don't be deceived about three times in there. We'll look at that in a minute. But read that one more time. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Yeah. So when you got lawlessness, you got people that have, they lost their love. And it's cold. So that's generally, right? Another warning to us, though, too, to keep that love light turned on. Yep. Right? Yep. For real. Okay. Dave. Yes, ma'am. Jude. 17 and 19. Yes. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. They, these are the people who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Read it one more time. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times... There will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and do not have the Spirit. Hmm. If you're a child of God, you're led by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You're led by the natural desires. They got mm-hmm. the natural mind. Mm-hmm. The worldly mind. The effects of the mind leading them. So, I mean, this... this uh, Gosh, falling away from from lawfulness, from the rule of law. Uh, I'm going to bring that up again in a minute when we talk about the restraining of verse 6 of this chapter. Um, anyway, let's, let's look for a minute at this man of lawlessness. Okay. Do what? Oh, yeah, you know, turn that away from me if you don't want it. Just turn, feel free to move it. There you go. Yeah, that's a little too intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wrote here that the man of lawless, the son of perdition, you know, this thing that I just said to you, Apollyon is what it is in Greek. And, and I wrote out here the, uh, 
the thing we just said too about Genesis 3.15. That's not, I don't really need that right now. Let's go down. Okay, so now I'm just listing some of these things that, that Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 40 years before John saw the revelation. So he shows himself as God, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. In Revelation 13, there's the, the beast that comes out of the sea who blasphemes God. He opens his mouth and blasphemy against God. Okay. There's some temple activity here in 2 Thessalonians 2. He, in 2 Thessalonians 2, it says he sits, he, um, where is it? He called, uh, and that he is worshipped. Oh, he opposes, exalts himself above all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There's only one temple as far as Paul is concerned, right? So we, you know, there can't be, all of a sudden, we're talking about, Aphrodite's temple or something. I mean, you know, Paul is writing, he's a Jew, he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. Um, now, in Revelation 13, 6, um, it says he blasphemes the tabernacle. Another interesting thing, in Revelation we know that for three and a half years the temple is trampled down by the Gentiles during the time when the two witnesses are on the scene who cause... Uh, fire to come down from heaven who causes the waters to become blood at their word who causes plagues all over the earth so this is a whole it's not right now because we're not seeing that mm -hmm. you know but when that happens when those two pro prophets are on the earth whom Revelation says are the olive tree and the lampstand standing before the God of the earth which we know from Zechariah anyway when those guys are here um, the temple is going to be trampled down for 42 months, for three and a half years. So that must be the time when this guy's going to plop himself down there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then he's called the lawless one. Um, in 1317, I'm not sure why I wrote that. What's the lawless? Um, Oh, well, you know, I'm just making the point that it doesn't say he's lawless here, but he, he makes it so nobody can buy or sell except if he says so. So that's, that's lawlessness. <laughs> yeah, there's no rule of law about this guy. Um, he'll be destroyed by Christ at his coming. Paul saw that. He saw that he was going to be destroyed by the breath of, his, of Christ coming out of his mouth. Well, that's another example of him thinking he's God, too, saying you can't buy yourself. You know what I mean? That yeah. whole control yeah. over every aspect of your life. It's kind of like if God, I'm, you know, that, they, mm -hmm. that he could do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's delusional thinking, mm -hmm. for sure. Which reminds me of some of our present. <laughs> I mean, we're just kind of graduating up to that. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, so with the breath of his mouth, Revelation 19, it says, The rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. In the very end, the devil himself, the beast is killed by, you know, he's going to cast him into the bottomless pit, it says in Revelation 19. But the devil's going to be cast in there too from fire coming down from heaven after the thousand years. So, supernaturally, 
dying is what we're looking at here, this, this personage. Right? He's connected with Satan. It says here in Thessalonians, he's the coming of the lawless one is with all the working of Satan, with power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Not just they did not receive the truth, but they did not receive the love of the truth. We have to nurture our love for the truth. You know? That's, I think, where worship comes in. We, we, gotta, we gotta nurture our love the truth is a person. It's Jesus, you know, and we've got to nurture that love. If we don't, if we just have this intellectual ascension to God, it's not going to cut it in the days that are coming. Because when it's going to cost us something, we've got to have a little attachment, <laughs> other than well, I know this is right, but you know. So that I mean, and if we don't have that love, it says that. Um, for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. God sends a delusion. You're, uh, you know, you're pretty, and you know, which is Romans 1, is it 28? I just looked at it, I think, where it says um, God gave them over to a debased mind. Um, for even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, etc. But, you know, I don't think the writer of the Romans says that it's because they didn't love the truth. They just, says they, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshipped and served one the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them to vile passions, gave them over. But there comes a point, you know, and many prophets today are saying we've, some of these people have really reached that point. Now their only thing left is for God to judge them. They can't. They're past repentance, which yeah. I can believe. But um, the point being here, we got to keep our love alive. And I'm speaking to myself, you know, I... I used to, and when I was in Turkey, to survive, keep my love alive. I worshiped in the morning, I worshiped at night. I didn't care if there was anybody around or anything. That's where my life came from. I had to. I, had, I wore that guitar out, and my parrot that I had used to sit here on the thing and go, Pray in tongues. <laughs> she prayed in tongues. She's the only spirit filled bird that, you know. <laughs> Soraya liked that. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have sheets of music that I had on the stand here, and she would sit there and go, pick on those pieces, pieces of paper and take them out and throw them. So, you know, they've got little bird pecks on them. But anyway, um, that's, you know, that keeps, keeps, us, keeps us in joy, and it keeps us, you know, worship. And, and, and you know, it's proclaiming with our lips the truth because if we just think it it's not enough there's something so that God put in uh, into our beings about our speech I've said to y'all before I think the Hebrew word for for to speak is dabar and the noun form of that is matter so when we speak in the Amen. Hebrew mind it becomes a matter it's out there it never goes away 
You know, Kent Christmas was talking Sunday about prayer. I watched it online, and he was saying, you know, that that our memorial prayers go before God, and they do not. They stay in the atmosphere. And and you know, he used the example of Cornelius. The angel came to Cornelius and said, "Your prayers have come as a memorial before God." And he said he must have prayed over and over and over again. He said, God, I want what those people have. I don't know what it is, but I want what those people have. It's it's you. It's God. He wanted the true God. So, and I always think of that. What the Hebrew meaning is, man, words aren't just words. They don't just go disappear. No, they're there. And when we speak into the atmosphere, Jesus Christ is Lord. When we proclaim him, it changes things. And uh, I had people come knock on my door because they said, are you the lady that prays in, in Turkey? <laughs> I wouldn't know how they knew anything, you know, but anyway, it makes a difference. So um, now let's just talk about, I think I've only got a couple more after this. The frequent, yeah, the frequent mention of deception. What's this last one? I forgot where I'm going. Oh, yeah. What is restraint? The idea of deception has been going on, but I think the awareness of the extent of it yeah. is beginning to be exposed. But I think it's wise to know it's been going on, like since you know the fall and everything. But I really think recently it's so much more exposed. Mm-hmm. But it's been going on all. The, it's just that That's we're right. much more aware of it. Now. That's right. Yeah. And there's always been lawlessness, but. You know, we're it's it's reaching a different point than yeah. it ever because of communication, because of, because of you know we're a smaller world now, and so there's lots more opportunity for the enemy to have lots more persuasion, influence. Um. Anyway, I just wanted to go. You know, Paul said the first thing in this chapter: "Don't let anybody deceive you." That's exactly what Jesus said when the disciples said. In Matthew 24, what? tell us what the sign of your coming will be. First thing he says, be careful that you are not deceived. In Matthew 24 and Luke 21, it's the same thing. I forgot to look at Mark 13. That's I think I think he didn't say that there. Mark was fast. He did everything, just <laughs> short to the point. <laughs> he didn't bother with that. But anyway, um, so Luke 21 and Matthew 24, 4. There's a couple other passages, verses there in Matthew 24 about the deception that was going to be floating around that Jesus, and again, this is what Jesus was talking about, the end of the age. What's the sign of your coming? So Matthew 24, we read 4. Now let's read 11 of Matthew 24. It says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's Matthew 24, 11. And then Matthew 24, 24, Jesus still speaking. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I mean, there's going to be such deception floating around. Think about the man that, you know, says that the uh, false prophet's going to be able to call fire down from heaven. Think about New York City, you're standing there on... (laughs) Right. In the in the middle of New York City, and all of a sudden, this man goes, "Fire!" and fire comes down out of heaven to the city. I mean, you're not going to believe that's God. I mean, if you don't know any better, get off of there. You still with me? Okay. <laughs> um, you, you know, you're not going to believe 
if you don't know the word yeah. of God, you talk about power. God is going to allow Satan to display power. And, and Jesus has many false Christs. Now, there's been many. some, you know, but, you know, there's just going to, that's going to increase. Mm -hmm. To deceive, if possible, even the elect, he says. We're going to talk about on one week, I'm waiting for another book about this because I've learned some, but I want to get a little bit more about the Mahdi, the Islamic, right. quote, Messiah they're looking for. Yeah. Because you talk about deception. Mm -hmm. They're going to think, and, and they've got somebody that's coming alongside him that they think is Jesus, and he's going to perform miracles. That's the false, our false prophet. I mean, so there's going to be such a swirl going around that people are going to go, Ooh. if you don't know this and love this, you know, you're setting yourself up. And, and that's one thing, I, you know, when I first started studying Revelation, I heard Mike Bickle say, I don't know, back at 2004-ish or 5-ish or something, that, you know, we want to be able to instruct people. When these things start coming down, we want to be able to say, well, I, I can help you. Let me show you where it's in this book that I've been reading, you know, that you didn't believe. It says it right here. 800 years ago, Isaiah, I mean, 800 years before Christ, Isaiah said this. You know, so uh, that just, you know, from, uh, this made a lot of sense to me. Um, so, 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 2 is about, did we, we didn't read 1 Timothy 4, I thought we did. Somebody look up 1 Timothy 4 and then Daniel eight twenty five. Stephanie, can you get Daniel eight twenty five? Yeah. And Rudy's getting 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 2. No, we did. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that was that's about. Um, is it about miracle workers, false teachers? Departed from the faith. Oh, okay. Also given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Okay. Okay. Stephanie, you got Daniel. Yeah, twenty-five. Yeah, eight twenty-five. You're fast with that phone Bible, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, By his cunning he shall make prosper under his hand. Make deceit prosper under his hand, okay. And in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning he shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. Okay, that's another passage about this man of lawlessness. This he's gonna by deceit. Cause many to prosper, is that what it says? I've forgotten. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Prosper under his hand, and under in his hand. own mind he shall become great. In his own mind he become great, but he will be broken by, not by human means. There's another reason, like the breath of Christ's mouth. Were you going to say something? Oh. You just had a moment where you were... Oh. <laughs> Okay. She put one of uh -huh. together. Okay. Oh. A delightful. <laughs> Cha-ching. All right. And so, and then I wrote, that's this thing about God will send the strong delusion. Okay, let's look at, for a minute, the last thing I've got here, and then we can talk a little more. What is restraining him? Now, this is one of the biggest controversial things right here. <laughs> Y'all know, this is what usually... Uh, this is why I learned that the rapture was going to come get us all was because if y'all remember, I think Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth maybe was the first place we learned this. I don't know. But 
It says here, um, we'll start with uh, verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians 2 again. Do you not remember when I told you these things? Now you know what is restraining, and that what is restraining is a neuter. The word what is neuter. It's not male or female. And so what we used to believe about this is that the Holy Spirit was restraining the, the man of lawlessness until the church is taken out and that the Spirit of God would be taken out of the earth, right, with the church. And then he would no longer be restrained and he would come forth. Did you all learn that about the rapture? Yeah, and that when the believers left, the Holy Spirit kind of also went with them. That's what we were all Yeah, that's what I was taught. Is just, right. Yeah. Chaos. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's what we were taught in the... 70s and 80s and stuff. So, well, let's finish here. Now you know what is restraining, which is not a he or a she, or it's, it's a what. It's a something is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, that the, that the man of lawlessness may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. I believe those are he's for sure right there. Okay, so, you know, people have said, well, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. There's a couple more theories that are written here in my Bible. I can't remember. But anyway, I heard Lance Walnow say this not long ago, and I thought, I've heard hints of that before, and this makes sense. He said, it's the, it's, um, the rule of law that is restraining him, but when the rule of law is no more. Okay, so I started looking... And, and then this Bible, the Spiritual Bible, it says Claudius was the emperor there at that point and, and when Paul was writing this letter. And I looked up Claudius, you know, it says he was more sane. And, and so sure enough, Claudius actually protected the Jews. Yeah, more sane, not sane, but more sane than most of the emperors. Above average. Because Nero followed him and then you had total lawlessness. But, but Claudius actually protected the Jews in Egypt and there was a big happening over in Egypt, and he also protected them in, in Israel. Some things that happened. But he was, and he was an expansionist. He got a lot of new territory and stuff. But anyway, so this note here was saying possibly Paul meant that you know what is restraining him now, that there is a lawfulness because Claudius is in. And this makes more sense to me than any of the others. Now y'all can just take this and with a grain of salt. I'm just saying this is what makes sense to me. Claudius there was a, a sense of law, law, and so people, so there was not a, I mean, someone who came along and offered lawlessness was not going to be appealing, right? Because they had everything pretty good. But when Claudius was taken out, which was, when did he say it? 68? Um, I've forgotten now. Nero came in 68, I believe that's right. Um, then you had Nero, who was a terrible persecutor of the church, you know, slaughtered, I don't know how many Christians, and and uh, then his son actually was in charge of Jerusalem when, when the temple was destroyed in the, the city in 70 AD. And then Domitian came in, who's the one who had Paul, I mean, uh, John on Patmos, and was a horrible, another horrible emperor as far as persecuting Christians. But that, I don't know, this makes sense to me. I, because I don't see, and the reason I'm having to make sense of this right here is because I don't see passages that say we disappear and then we're not here. You know, I mean, the passages where, yes, we meet him in the air, 
that could be the same thing that's happening in Zechariah 14, which is when Christ sits, you know, steps down on the Mount of Olives. The saints come with him. There are scenes of Christ marching through the de through the wilderness. His, his robe is st stripped. I mean, uh, stained with blood. Um, Isaiah 63. I believe that's Christ on the earth when he comes back and he's slaying his enemies. You know, I mean, there's and we are we're here. I mean, I just don't see two different appearances of Christ. They all match up too much. The same, I mean, we can, we'll go into that. That's just a little teaser, too. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so the word, okay, well, I'm back up a little bit to the mm -hmm. word, what? You see, it's a newer pronoun. It's not, mm -hmm. it doesn't describe either one. Right, right. right. So I'm saying what is restraining him is that the fact there, that there is law. And it's like, kind of like Lance Wallnow said, there's rule of law. And the verse after that discusses lawlessness again. So I could see where he got that. That makes good sense. Because mm -hmm. verse 7 says, for the mystery of lawlessness. So he jumps right into that lawlessness. Yes, right that's, that's that. exactly what I thought today when I was looking at it. Or day yes. before, I can't remember. Because the mystery is already at work. I mean, there's always been lawlessness. But what restrains him, he who restrains him will do so until he's taken. Claudius is restraining because he's a law, he's a more sane emperor. I don't know. Again, it, it makes sense to me because of Paul's context. Y'all just think that? Put it on a shelf? Yeah. <laughs> do whatever. I think I'm going to end the face... Facebook live now and we love y'all thank you for joining us we're going to talk now <laughs> all right how do I end this finish I know how to do this okay oh I'm going to end this too okay I think we're live yes oh now it's going to play it back for me we're going to